The opinions and views expressed in Dead Men Do Tell Tales and all affiliated media are Jordan and Nicole's and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of their training program or others working in the field of medical legal death investigation. Dead Men Do Tell Tales. The podcast about pathology, forensic pathology related topics. I'm Nicole Crew. And I'm Jordan Dealer. And we are both forensic pathology fellows who are now in the world of forensic pathology. And officially. stupidly, not stupidly, like weirdly busy sometimes in some ways, but life stuff. So we're sorry that this hasn't been as regular as we originally intended it to be. Yes. New Year's resolution. New Year's resolution. We do have a four point. Four-part four episode coming up that we're planning on. So. Yes, and we mostly have the outline down, so we should be able to record them and get them out as yes. scheduled. Half of the issue, I think, was just, like, setting our plan, which we've now done. So, yeah, we'll be better. Yes. Also, once the holidays are over, you know, less travel, less distraction. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's been a lot of just moving pieces and parts and should be settling down. Yes, Indeed. Speaking of the holidays, ah. so we wanted to drop a Christmas-related episode before we went into gun violence, because we didn't feel like gun violence was a good one to drop right <laughs> on the holidays. So instead, we are going to do an episode that is modified from an idea that I got from a podcast that I love called Sawbones. It's this podcast about medical history. The One of the co-hosts... Sydney is a family medicine doc, and she speaks to her husband, Justin, about weird medical history things, how certain parts of medicine came about, and Justin is just kind of the comedic side piece. Oh. <laughs> is that a thing? Oh, the comedic side They are side married, piece, huh? so kind of he's the comedic side piece. Oh. Um, and yeah, so it's, it was they, a couple Christmases ago, they did an episode called Santa is Sick, where Sydney went through all of the various ways that Santa might be sick. And so I decided that for a presentation that I'm doing at the King County Medical Examiner's Office, and we will do a little preview of here, we are going to do the autopsy of Santa Claus. Bum, bum, bum. So to, to begin with, we are going to talk about the man behind... Uh, the beard? The beard, yeah. The myth. The legend. That is Santa Claus. <laughs> Santa Claus, okay. <laughs> uh, so the, the legend of Santa Claus actually originates from the 3rd century, which is when St. Nicholas became the patron saint of children. So yes, St. Nicholas was actually a real person. And actually, they uncovered his grave not too many years ago. Like in 2017, they found it in Turkey. Yeah, he was born somewhere between 260 and 280 AD. Yep. Which means that Santa Claus is about 1,750 years old. So what you're saying is you think the tomb's empty? Sips whiskey. <laughs> what is now modern-day Turkey is where he was born. And he was actually a monk who yep. was renowned for his kindness. And he gave away all of his wealth um, and traveled the countryside helping the poor and sick. So his feast day was traditionally celebrated on the day of his death, which is December 6th. Yes. And it was traditionally considered a very lucky day to make large purchases or to get married. And by the Renaissance, St. Nicholas was the most popular saint in Europe. 
and he didn't become known in the U.S. until towards the end of the 18th century. Um, in December of 1773 and again in 1774, a New York newspaper reported that groups of Dutch families were gathering to honor the anniversary of his death. So that's Sinterklaas. Kind of, Sinterklaas, yes. Yeah, Santa Claus evolved from Nick's Dutch nickname, Sinterklaas, uh, which is a shortened form of Sint Nicolaas. Yes. Yes. Uh, pardon my Dutch. <laughs> your Dutch isn't perfect? No. What? Yes, I know. <laughs> Step up your game. Uh, Duolingo, do you have Dutch? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I'm sure they do. <laughs> um, so then in 1809, Washington Irving helped to popularize the Sinterklaas stories when he referred to St. Nicholas as the patron saint of New York City in his book, The History of New York. Um, so gift giving, mainly centered around children, has been an important part of the Christmas celebration since the holiday's rejuvenation in the early 19th century. Our cats have a lot of paper bags and paper pieces. So if you hear crinkling in the background, that's them. Please forgive them. They have energy. Yes. Especially Cole. Yeah. Cole's favorite is cardboard and paper bags. <laughs> very simple child. Makes for very easy gift giving. Speaking of. Speaking of, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So stores began to advertise Christmas shopping in 1820. And by the 1840s, they began using imagery of Santa in those ads. Um, so it wasn't until 1841 that life-size models of Santa began appearing in stores. And then in 1890s was when the Salvation Army started putting um, unemployed men in Santa Claus suits and sending them into the streets of New York to solicit donations to help pay for free Christmas meals. And then in 1822, Clement Clark Moore, an Episcopal minister, wrote an account of a visit from St. Nicholas, a a.k.a. Twas the Night Before Christmas. And this poem is largely responsible for our modern image of Santa Claus as a right jolly old elf with a portly figure and the supernatural ability to ascend a chimney with the mere nod of his head. So I think my favorite thing from the original St. Nicholas is, uh, do you know what his most famous gift giving was? Well, I read a story about how he gave a dowry to three sisters so, so that yeah, they wouldn't so his... have to get... Yeah, so his yeah. most famous gift is he gave gifts to three impoverished daughters of a pious Christian with dowries to keep them from becoming prostitutes. Mm -hmm. Which, to be fair, really should be Christianity. Let's help the poor and not, you know, let them live in the streets. Yes. Or go to those means. So really, that's what we all want. But, so yeah. really, we should all live up to... Exactly. Santa Claus. <laughs> and of course, like all of this other stuff, this man morphed with all these other things and was taken pieces from like different religions and different days. Of course, like the actual Christmas day itself is not on a specific Christian holiday. It is morphed from a pagan holiday and et cetera, et cetera. But St. Nicholas was actually the original St. Nicholas, which then, of course, over time has become our beloved Santa Claus. Yes. The only other fun fact was uh, at the end of this article, they talked about Santa Claus-like figures around the world. And then uh, I really liked in Scandinavia, there's a jolly elf named Joltomten, who is thought to deliver gifts in a sleigh drawn by goats. I mean, that's not too dissimilar from reindeer. Yeah. They're four-legged mammals. With horns. Yeah. Yeah. Do they have bright red noses, though? Um, well, Rudolph was much later to the game That's than true. that Christian Moore, po or true. Moore poem. 
Um, and then the other one that I really liked was uh, in Italy, there's a story of a woman called La Befana. She's a kindly witch who rides a broomstick down the chimneys of Italian homes to deliver toys into the stockings of lucky children. Nice. Yeah. All right. So now we are going to dive into the different clauses of death. Uh-huh. Had to. Sorry. Could yep. not. Of course you did. So going back to that original poem, one of the, the lines from that poem is, you know, he had a broad face and a round little belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. And while that gives you a nice, happy, jolly picture, what that to medical doctors tells us is that Santa Claus is a little bit obese. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that a lot of you have heard of NORAD. And NORAD does a lot of tracking. And NORAD posts a Santa tracker every year. And NORAD will track Santa around, and they track different sightings by Santa Claus, by jets, who take pictures and run figures and figure out all of this stuff. And so based on flight profile data by NORAD, I'm not kidding, it exists online, it is a thing. Santa is five foot seven and 260 pounds, which calculates to a BMI of 40.7. Oh, no. Or a who... Like, World Health Organization grade 3 out of 3 obesity. Oh, no. So Santa is what we don't use this category anymore, what we would call morbidly obese. So obesity gives Santa, I think, the vast majority of his risk factors for possible death. And obesity leads to a lot of different issues. The one that most of us think of is cardiac disease. And we'll go into some of this in a bit. It also gives you increased risk for liver disease diabetes, cancer. There's a lot of things that are associated with obesity that, unfortunately, Santa has quite a few risk factors associated. We all know that Santa has a big heart, which needs to have enough room for all of the children in the world, Uh but a big heart really isn't that good for you. (laughs) So when you're obese, you have more blood that needs to be pushed around your body, so your heart has to work harder. So what it does is it, what we call hypertrophy. So the muscles actually grow. And while you might think that that's good, that means your heart is actually working harder. And the other thing with obesity is it just becomes dilated. So it literally becomes big. So Santa heart, Santa's heart probably is literally just big, just big and dilated. So on autopsy, you would find a big heart and it would be very dilated. And then when you look under the microscope, he's probably going to have his actual heart muscle cells are going to be bigger. They're going to be hypertrophy. The other thing that happens when you're obese is you get something called metabolic syndrome, where you have high cholesterol. And one of the things that that leads to is what we call coronary artery atherosclerosis. So what that does is your coronary arteries are the arteries that supply your heart with blood. And those need to be big, wide, and open because in order to pump blood to the rest of your body, your heart muscle cells also need oxygen and need fuel. And that's what the coronary arteries do. So if you get deposition in these arteries of all of this cholesterol, what it does is it makes the arteries smaller and smaller and smaller. So the blood doesn't go through them as easily. And that means that your heart muscle cells might not get enough energy or oxygen and they could actually die. And so that's what we colloquially call a heart attack or a myocardial infarction. So I would be worried that Santa might have coronary artery disease, which might lead to his already stressed out heart getting damaged and not be able to pump blood to the rest of his body. 
and having a enlarged heart and also having atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease put you at risk of abnormal heart rhythms or yes. arrhythmias, dysrhythmias, especially if you have atherosclerotic disease that's causing subclinical, so non-symptomatic infarcts, you could be getting a bunch of fibrosis between your heart cells, and that fibrosis is not good for conducting electricity. So as I mentioned, Santa likely has metabolic syndrome, so there's more fat and cholesterol going around the body. And one of the things that more fat and cholesterol can lead to is what we call a fatty liver or non-alcohol-associated fatty liver disease. So what that does is essentially in all of your liver cells, instead of having functional liver, a lot of fat gets deposited. And when you eventually have too much fat replacing your liver cells, your liver isn't going to be able to do the job that it's supposed to do. It's not going to be able to detoxify. It's not going to be able to make your blood clotting factors. There's a lot of things that your liver does that's essential to body function. And if you have too much fat replacing all the liver cells, you can get liver failure. The other thing with obesity is you have a lot of systemic inflammation, and that can also go to your liver. And this could all eventually lead to the fat and the inflammation could all kind of combine and eventually turn into cirrhosis down the road. So I'm kind of worried about Santa's liver. It might not be able to do the job that it needs to do and leading to other things down the line. Which could also contribute to his girth is uh, cirrhosis can cause something called ascites, which is the accumulation of fluid in your abdominal cavity. Exactly. Could be a twofer. He's so, obese and has ascites. So in, when you have ascites, there's this thing called a fluid wave, which is where you can like kind of push on the abdomen. It kind of looks like fluid going across. So maybe that's why it's the bowl full of jelly. Yeah. Because it's actually the ascites and the fluid wave that's going across. That would totally make sense. So the other thing that being overweight and having metabolic syndrome can lead to is diabetes and diabetes can cause a lot of issues and kind of the big ones that we think about are the eyes the kidneys and the nerves so with your eyes you can eventually go to blindness which i mean thank god santa has rudolph yeah because you know he'll save him in the end you can also get deposition into your kidneys and your kidneys could fail and you also can have issues with your nerves and the issues with diabetes, the first thing that goes wrong is all the longest nerves that you have. And the longest nerve that you have is the one that goes to your toe. This is the longest path that it's going to have to take. And so those ones are the ones that kind of fail first. So often with diabetes, you can get what's called gangrene, where essentially distal extremities kind of become necrotic and you might have to have an amputation of a toe or a foot or a leg. So I would be worried about Santa maybe needing to have an amputation, which can lead to a lot of side effects as any surgery can. Yeah. And also with all of the the traveling and movement that he has to do, uh, not being able to feel your feet could lead him to injuring himself really easily. It could. Yeah. And he lives in a cold environment. So if he's not properly taking care of his feet, like what if he's like, well, you know, I don't feel it anyway. I'm just going to run outside exactly. barefoot to grab the mail. Santa could. He could hurt himself. Well, he could hurt himself. And he also could get frostbite yeah, because he doesn't feel it. And that's a lot of the issue with people with diabetes. They don't necessarily feel some little infection in their foot and then they don't get it taken care of. And then it turns really bad and it turns into big gangrene. That's kind of the progression there. And so the last thing with Santa's obesity that I want to mention is Santa does have a kind of thick neck. And when you have a thicker neck, there's a lot of issues that can happen from that. One of them being sleep apnea. So I don't know if you know anybody with sleep apnea, but essentially when somebody with sleep apnea tries to go to bed, there's a lot of snoring. Sometimes they stop breathing. 
Essentially, the thickened neck blocks their airway, and they have intermittent breathing through the night. And that can lead to cardiovascular disease, as we already talked about, issues with the heart. It can actually lead to strokes, which are either blood clots or um, bleeding in your brain, which leads to decreased brain function. You can also have increased daytime sleepiness. And Santa's really busy, especially around Christmas, so he can have some kind of work errors. There could be a traffic, parentheses, sleigh accidents. <laughs> and the last thing in this is when somebody is in an accident, sometimes you need to intubate them to secure their airway. Now, people with a thick neck, they tend to have very difficult airways. So I would be worried that if something did happen to Santa it might be really hard to intubate him to try to save him. Yeah. The other thing I thought about with that line from the poem, um, he had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly, mm-hmm. is uh, jelly belly is associated with something called pseudomyxoma peritonei. Ooh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. So it's a fancy name for the uh, progressive collection of mucus secreting or mucinous tumor cells within the abdomen and pelvis Mm -hmm. and it's typically associated with appendiceal cancer so Mm -hmm. your appendix um, which it's really rare to get cancer but it's very hard to notice that when you're getting appendiceal cancer because your appendix isn't gonna like oh i'm hurting (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and um so if it ruptures it can spew these cells all around your abdomen Mm -hmm. and as the mucinous tumor cells accumulate the abdomen becomes very swollen and um, all of that fluid compresses the digestive tract so you get all sorts of gastrointestinal issues and eventually you can get something called a bowel obstruction and if stuff can't get through that is not good and it can lead to uh, ruptures or perforations of your uh, intestines true And it's a really hard thing to treat because the mucinous tumor cells just kind of get everywhere. So in order to treat this, the surgeons have to go in, clear everything out as best they can, and then they put chemotherapy into the abdomen and let it sit there for a bit and then wash it out. So yeah, his his jelly belly could be a sign of a potential slow-growing appendiceal cancer. We're all going to have to watch out for Santa this year, guys. Yeah. Just so many things that uh, could potentially harm this jolly, jolly kind, loving old man. (laughs) So another line from um, the Twas the Night poem was, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. And that has to do with the fact that Santa's main way of getting into residences is through the chimney. So there are a lot of things that could go wrong when traveling by a chimney. Luckily, I think... The last few that I'm going to talk about won't matter quite so much because Santa has magic, you know, theoretically to get through. Theoretically. But the whole bit about his clothes being tarnished with ashes and soot reminded me of something called chimney sweeps cancer. Oh, okay. So uh, this man named Percival Potts, the same man who discovered Potts disease, which is when tuberculosis goes to your spine. He made a connection between the occupation of chimney sweeps and scrotal cancer. I know. So he made this connection in 1775. And the description, which I really like, is it is a disease which makes its first appearance on the inferior part of the scrotum, where it produces a painful, ragged, ill-looking sore. The trade call it the soot wart. Ew. Yeah. 
So eventually, because they didn't have any good way of treating this except for mercury, which is not good for treating <laughs> I cancer. I love old medicine. Or anything. Let's kill it with this thing that'll kill you. <laughs> yeah. I guess uh, that's chemo, though. Yeah, right? no, that's so very The true. dose makes the poison? The dose makes the poison. But in this case, I don't think mercury had any effect whatsoever. Damn so, it. But yeah, so it would start on the skin, and then I don't think they know what type of cancer it was for sure nowadays. I kept seeing it referred to as some sort of skin cancer, so I'm thinking it was like a squamous cell maybe. But it would go from the skin of the scrotum into the testes and then spread to the abdomen, get into the viscera, um, and eventually cause death. So Pot made the connection between the causative agent, soot, lodging in the folds of the mm, scrotal yep. skin, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and the disease. But prevention was a different matter entirely, and a lot of people just said that you should change your working clothes and wash daily in your private parts. Wash those folds. Yeah, wash, wash your folds, man. So he made this connection in 1775, and even into 1910 through 1912, almost a third of all deaths in chimney sweeps were caused by scrotal cancer. Wow. And then it wasn't until 158 years later, in 1933, that another scientist, uh, biochemist James D. Cook, figured out that the component of soot that was carcinogenic is something called benzoapyrene. So yeah, Santa going up and down all of those chimneys, and clearly he is getting covered in soot. He is at risk of getting this fun type of uh, cancer. Yeah, and there's other also just generic lung diseases that Santa could get from this exposure. You know, he could get COPD or emphysema, yep, which lead to death. He could get any kind of other lung cancer, which can lead to death. Yeah, so. and not just because of his exposure to chimneys, but another line of that poem. Yep. The stump of his pipe, he'll tighten his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. Exactly. That if is... anybody knows any good Santa lore, he was heavily used to promote um, selling cigarettes. It was one of the biggest things. So, I mean... A lot of the images, when you look up old images of Santa, are him selling, like, Pall Malls or whatever. Oh, Santa. Santa. They, Santa have, uh, they have taken your your gift-giving imagery and... Wasted it. Wasted it. Give them the gift of cancer this Christmas. Oh, no! <laughs> That's what he's saying. That's a horrible <laughs> gift. That's for all the bad children. Instead of coal. Oh. Instead of... No, my coal would be the best present. Not that kind of coal. Okay, also, coal doesn't seem like a bad present to give to bad children because you can use it as fuel for fires, you know? Then, for and there was a certain period of time that you could, but nowadays... Well, nowadays. I don't know when that became a thing. Oh, giving coal to bad children? Yeah. I don't, I don't know what era that was. Things to, uh, to jujil after this. So, another danger with traveling by chimney is asphyxia. So we did a whole episode about this, so I'm not going to talk about it too much. You should go back and listen to this episode. It's a great episode. I guess technically it was about strangulation and hanging. But well, we did all asphyxias, though. We did, we did smothering. We did compression um, asphyxia. Yes. So asphyxia, just lack of oxygen in the blood or failure of cells to use oxygen and a failure of the body to eliminate carbon dioxide. So in a chimney, there are many ways for you to get asphyxia, especially if you're traveling with a ton of uh, baggy clothing, as Santa does, or with a sack filled with presents. Mm -hmm. So like Jordan mentioned, smothering. So that's when your external airways are compressed or blocked. So your nose and mouth. So if his clothing or sack got pressed against his mouth while he was traveling through the chimney, he could smother himself. Um, choking by soot or other debris. Um, 
that is in the chimney, or maybe he hadn't fully swallowed his last cookie before he started traveling down. And then he could also get chemical asphyxia. So if he got wedged up high and somebody lit a fire, the uh, toxic products of combustion, aka smoke, would bring compounds up to him and potentially cause asphyxia, especially if he has some uh, strange plastics in his toys that also start burning, maybe release some cyanide. And then there's uh, different types of mechanical asphyxia. So if he got stuck in the chimney somehow and there was enough external pressure, or if he was in such a position that restricted his movement um, on his chest, neck, abdomen, anything, it could make respiration difficult or impossible. So compressional or positional asphyxia, depending on how he's wedged in there. And then same as uh, before with the uh, smothering potential strangulation or hanging if he gets bunched up in a bunch of stuff. It's true. Uh, the, yeah. that, the string from his bag of toys. Exactly. You never know. Yep. And then the last thing uh, that I had for dangers with chimneys is thermal injury. It's true. You know, do not leave your fire on, guys. Turn yes. your gas fire off yes. when you, you go to Santa bed. Yes, if you want Santa to come visit, you have to not have a roaring fire. His fur suit is very flammable. Yes. and Don't think he uses the polyesters that are flame retardant. <laughs> He's old school, guys. He's old school. Do you see how fuzzy his suit is? <laughs> He probably makes it himself from Arctic animals. <laughs> the white's the polar bear. What's the red? Bloody polar bear. Oh, no. That would be terrifying. That would be terrifying. Oh, my gosh. Just a blood... Santa's this is actually is... just a blood-stained tire polar bear suit. This is Santa, not Krampus. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Sorry. Wrong mythical creature. Oh, maybe that's what we should do for hell, uh, for Christmas next year, is watch Krampus? the Krampus movie. Oh, and talk my... about the or way people we can... die. Or we can watch the Santa Claus, the one where he falls off the roof, which is my favorite. Oh, is that the one with Tim Allen? Yeah. I love that oh, one. I, I literally laughed so loud in the theaters <laughs> when I was a kid that people laughed at me laughing because I was so out of control. Nice. When Santa fell off the roof. I laughed at three when Santa fell off the roof in the movie theater. <laughs> it was destined to be this person. Something. Yes. But anyway, yeah, thermal injury. So the skin is the largest organ of the body, if we don't count the interstitium, you know, which is controversial. Such a BS organ. Yeah. Um, it's just like when they said Pluto was no longer the ninth planet. Like, I, Wait, what? Are, what are you talking about? <laughs> pat, pat. No. Pat, pat, pat. Pluto. Just planet. Drink your whiskey. It's okay. <laughs> Um, so the main functions of your skin are protection from infection, temperature changes, physical forces, blah, 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 um, body temperature regulation, and fluid loss prevention. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, all of your fluids would just evaporate right off your body. Fly out of there. Yeah, goodbye. Um, so thermal burns can cause both local and if severe, so that's over 20% of your body surface area, can also cause a systemic response. And with the loss of skin comes fluid loss, and all of those fluid changes can affect your heart and all this other stuff, and it can lead to marked hypovolemia and hypoperfusion, and this is known as burn shock. And then, you know, if we were able to pull Santa out soon enough, he would still have to worry about infection and fluid maintenance for a while while his skin is uh, regenerating. What would we see at autopsy? Uh, so at autopsy, we would see, oh, it depends on how bad the burns are, but we would usually see these um, diffuse blistering and taking off of the skin. Um, or if he's down in like the actual flames, we could see charring of his body. 
We would also see things associated with inhalation injury. So as I mentioned before, the smoke, if he inhales a bunch of it, um, we would see soot deposition in his airways. So like the larynx and trachea, those the breathing tube. <gasps> I said it. The you breathing did it. Tube. Lots of ways to uh, die in a fireplace. Die in a fireplace. Maybe Santa should just here. use a window, you know, or a door. It's true. So once Santa makes it down your chimney, he is expecting to have a little treat waiting for him, right? Yeah. You provide, traditionally provide Santa with milk and cookies. But Santa goes to about 950 million households every year. And if he drank one ounce of milk and one cookie per household, that would add up to about... 123 billion calories for the cookies and 14 billion calories for the milk. Nope. So overall, on that one 24-hour period, Santa would eat about 39 million pounds worth of calories. Oh, jeez. Of course, we know Santa's already morbidly obese, but this would put him into a new galaxy. (laughs) But we're going to say Santa's supernatural. So let's ignore the calories for a second, but there are some other issues with eating that much milk and cookies, being hypervitaminosis D and hypercalcemia, because mm. we know that milk is a really good source of vitamin D and calcium. Yep. So when you have too much vitamin D, what that actually does, short term isn't really going to cause any toxicities, but long term that leads to your body taking up and retaining more calcium. So in the long run, Too much vitamin D leads to too much calcium, and you're already taking in too much calcium. So Santa's going to have a lot of problems with having too much calcium in this system. And there's going to be many things from that. So what would we see on autopsy? So let's say that it's, you know, several months later, Santa had this giant bolus of vitamin D. His body has tried to take up as much calcium as he can, and one of the best places the body has as a calcium store is your bones. So Santa is going to be pulling out all this calcium from his bones, and his bones are going to be pretty brittle by this point. So I would worry about Santa having what's called a pathologic fracture in his everyday life. Mm. So while this might not be on Christmas morning, we might have to do an autopsy on Santa from having, you know, a broken hip or a broken femur. And that can lead to things like massive blood loss, which you can see, you know, as a bruise or an ecchymosis, as we call it. Or when you break long bones, you can get what's called a fat embolus. So that means a little bit of the fat associated with that break. Normally it's outside of your vessels, but then you break this bone and it also cuts the fat and it can send the fat back into your circulatory system. And that can loop its way back through into your lungs. So you can actually find some fat in the lungs, either grossly, like looking at it with your eyes, or under the microscope. So I would worry about Santa maybe getting a fat embolus from breaking a leg. The other thing with hypercalcemia, kind of the, the thing that we're taught in med school is to, for the little mnemonic for hypercalcemia is bones, stones, abdominal groans, and psychiatric overtones. Mm-hmm. And so for the stones, those are kidney stones. Too much calcium, they kind of just, the calcium precipitates in your kidney into making these kidney stones. And kidney stones can do a few things. One, they can try to travel into your bladder and getting a kidney stone down your ureter is extremely painful. Mm-hmm. They can cause really bad infections. And it can also lead to what's called hydroureter. So you get like blockage and it causes this backup of urine, which then kind of throws problems all the way back up. So it can lead to renal failure and a whole lot of other issues. So I'm really worried about his calcium levels. 
Yeah, that on top of the diabetes, his kidneys are suffering. His kidneys are suffering. The other thing is, you know, Santa's eating these these snacks pretty late at night. And they we really do try to tell people to not have too much late night snacking because that can lead to gastroesophageal reflux disease. GERD. And that is my cat who is telling you, please don't get GERD. <laughs> and GERD can also lead to a lot of issues. So the first thing it can do is... Essentially, you're getting all of this reflux of stomach acid back up into the esophagus, and that actually starts to damage the esophagus. That first gives you something that's called Barrett's esophagus, where essentially the color changes, and you're actually getting some glands that are normally supposed to be in your stomach that are reaching their way up into your esophagus. That's a great mental imagery. Crawling out of your stomach past your GE junction. (laughs) The zombie glands. Exactly. And actually, it's described as salmon pink fingers. So it literally kind of looks like these fingers reaching up. And then because these glands aren't where they're supposed to be, they are more likely than the normal glands to get mutations and lead to cancer. So I would be worried about about Santa possibly getting cancer in his GE junction, getting esophageal or stomach cancer. So scrotal cancer, GE junction cancer. Just all of the cancers with being obese, mm-hmm. risk for everything. Oh, and the lung cancer and the lung from cancer. the smoking yeah. and the smoke inhalation from the chimneys. Santa has some risk factors. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. Santa. The other thing that having this extra stomach acid can do is lead to peptic ulcers. And ulcers cause you know some abdominal pain. But if they get bad enough, they can essentially erode all the way through the stomach lining. And they can erode into vessels, causing really bad bleeding, either in your, your intestinal system, or they can just erode all the way through, and then all of your stomach acid is not being kept in the stomach, and they're just going out into your abdomen, and you can get what's called peritonitis. So there's quite a lot of things with the, all this late-night stacking. I mean, I hope that Santa only does this once a year. Yes. But if it's a regular habit, you know, this could be a big issue for Santa. I guess he's not really sleeping after he eats all those cookies and milk. Because he gets he's up all night and then he gets home. Maybe That's he true. sits up with Mrs. Claus for mm, a bit. There you go. Reviews things with the elves, you know. It's true. Feedback for next year. I mean, you got to improve every year, right? Yeah. yeah. And then he downs a bottle of Tums and goes to bed. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's how he does it. The Pepto-Bismol. Yeah. Hey, Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> so I mentioned the uh, occupational-related injury via chimney um but also he could just have he's at risk for other occupational related injuries such as falls from being on top of the roofs and uh from being in the sleigh you know yeah totally might i'm pretty sure the sleigh i'm pretty sure the sleigh doesn't have a (gasps) seatbelt. you don't think santa wears a seatbelt? i don't think santa wears a seatbelt. oh my gosh well that's it's gonna ruin his polar bear blood-stained suit okay okay (laughs) polar bear thing, but I just... So anyway. That's all you're going to ever think of. Yeah. I'm just going to see Santa and just think, that's... He murdered so many polar bears. so many. (laughs) To be fair, I only think you need one polar bear with the blood. There's probably a lot of blood in polar bear. That's true. That's true. Uh, And don't eat the liver, folks. True. Vitamin A. Yeah, so uh, any risk of falls, he would get multiple blunt force injuries. um, And those could be potentially fatal depending on how bad Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Santa sitting in the sleigh. So Santa, (laughs) before all of this, he goes to a lot of malls and he sits with a lot of kids on his lap. 
and then he sits for long periods of time in the sleigh, and I'm a little worried about how static he is. He doesn't really move a lot. So I would be a little bit worried about Santa maybe getting a deep vein thrombosis because mm. he doesn't really walk as much as he should. Yeah. So, so what a deep vein thrombosis is, is essentially in the veins in your legs, you get these blood clots that form. And then for some reason they mobilize. Maybe you move a little more or do something. You know, maybe on Christmas Day you're shuffling all the toys around and moving <laughs> a little more than normal. And these clots can then be thrown and they go into your lungs. They go um, like kind of through half the heart and they kind of lodge their way in your lungs. And then your lungs can no longer be perfused. And if your lungs can't be perfused, you're not getting oxygen to your blood into the rest of your body. So you can actually die pretty quickly if you have a big enough PE. And Santa's doing a lot of sitting, so I'm kind of worried about that, about Santa and, and pulmonary embolism. Yeah, well, I wasn't worried before, but now I am, I too. Know. And so what pulmonary embolism looks like, so one of the issues in autopsy sometimes is deciding between, is this just blood that clotted after they died, or was this blood that's actually, you know, happened before they died? And the way that we tell, you can see this both with your eyes and then under the microscope, is something called lines of Zahn. So they're alternating lines, they kind of look like you know dark red and black like a very subtle <laughs> but under the microscope they look like alternating layers of what's called platelet and fibrin and blood so kind of alternating red and pink layers and it's actually kind of pretty and cool to look at but you know, like a candy cane like a can- he just has candy he canes in his arms. legs yeah oh my God. gosh oh my God, I'm and he needs the uh, canes because of his fractures yes his pathologic does. fractures i found this paper about percival pot I'm trying to find a, a photo that's not really gross that shows the uh, sootwort. Yes. And uh, the first sentence is, recently, while performing a radical scrototectomy and groin what? dissection. What? No. Scro- scro- what? Scrototectomy. <laughs> no. No. Not okay. Okay. So, another line from our poem. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back. And he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. And so Santa has this giant bag of toys that he's carrying around with him. And I know that elves are making all the toys. And once a year, he takes this giant bag of toys and carries it all around the world. So I'm a little worried that Santa isn't you know, necessarily the most practiced and that he's lifting very heavy things on Christmas. So I'm worried that Santa might throw out his back. Oh, no! And we know that people with back pain often try to treat their pain and they might not do it in the best way and this pain could get worse and worse so i'm a little worried that you know maybe not on christmas day but i think santa might develop a fentanyl problem no santa so i'm a little worried that santa might eventually overdose on fentanyl he is the next victim in the opioid crisis i'm worried santa might be the next opioid victim this is why they uh overthrew the Sackler family. Yes, for Santa. For Santa. For Santa. Yeah. And so an autopsy, kind of the big things are what's called a foam cone. So essentially you get all of this foam in your respiratory tract that comes out of your nose and your mouth. So you get what like called a foam cone around your nose and your mouth. And then you would see pulmonary edema. So your lungs are kind of full of fluid, which leads to said respiratory foam. And your brain also gets really edematous. So your lungs and your brain get essentially suck up a lot of water and they're really heavy and really kind of like bloated looking and then of course drug testing is always needed and a very important part of any autopsy 
And speaking of drug use, Santa has, you know, reg- he probably has a pretty regular life. He's on the North Pole, so he only really gets sunlight, you know, half the year. But, you know, for this 24 hours, Santa needs to stay up and do work all night. So I don't know about you, but I can't stay up for 24 hours in a row. No, he uses so coffee. I am a little no. worried that Santa might have stimulant problems. No. So, you know, something like an amphetamine or maybe even methamphetamine oh my gosh what are you doing to santa you know with one (laughs) methamphetamine use you might you know die from it but santa's been doing this for 1750 years yeah that's all so santa might have a chronic methamphetamine problem and with chronic methamphetamine you can get a lot of cardiac diseases so you can see a lot of the things we talked about before with coronary atherosclerosis so the the coronary arteries get really small and heart attacks. You can also get those, you know, bigger heart cells. And the unique thing, or maybe not unique, but one thing that's seen in meth is you can get these bizarre looking nuclei in your heart. So when you look at a section, instead of seeing the normal small little heart cell nuclei, some of them kind of get bigger and a little funny looking. And then with anything that leads to a heart disease, you can, of course, get an arrhythmia like Nicole talked about before. So I'm a little worried about Santa's methamphetamine problem in his heart, which we already know has to be big enough to hold all the children in the world. Right. And to circulate blood around his obese uh, body. Who class three obesity body. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's why they never mention Santa's teeth, because they're terrifying. (laughs) Meth mouth Santa. (laughs) (laughs) That's my new favorite. Yeah. Polar bear blood and meth mouth. <laughs> well, that plus all the cavities It'd be from the those. most terrifying. Maybe that's why Krampus is like, <laughs> because it's just like the true Santa Claus. He's just this terrifying creature in reality. Krampus is the true Santa. <laughs> oh my gosh. You have just broken the world. Oh man. So Santa has a lot of children he goes to. We know he makes his list. But I'm a little worried that he has to check this list twice. Okay. So. (laughs) Okay. Santa might have OCD, but he also might have dementia. I mean, he is 1,750 years old. Yeah, that's true. He has a right at this point to have dementia. That's true. And with that atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. It doesn't help. So, you know, at autopsy with dementia, your brain is just smaller. You kind of just are losing mass, which is also why you're more likely to get those brain bleeds that we've talked about in prior episodes, where if you fall, you can tear something called a bridging vein, which leads to bleeding in the brain. So you'll see kind of a smaller brain. It kind of just, everything looks atrophied. And then your ventricles, which hold all your, like the fluid around your brain, also in the middle of your brain, those will get bigger. And then you can get Depending on the type of dementia that you're getting, you can get deposits of different proteins. So in Alzheimer's dementia, which is the most common, you get deposits of what's called hyperphosphorylated tau. And so you can either see that in the neurons or around the neurons. And so that's something that we might see in Santa Claus's autopsy. And the last, we also did talk about Santa wearing this fursuit all around the world. Oh, and yeah. he's also, you know, he's he's bigger. You know, he has some natural insulation too. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little, little worried about like a heat exhaustion mm-hmm. or a heat-related death. So that can have cerebral edema, which again, too much like fluid in the brain. You can also get on your viscera, so on kind of coating all of your organs, you can get petechial hemorrhages, so a little breaking of blood vessels that kind of dotting all of your internal organs. 
and you can get something called uh, subendocardial hemorrhages. So on the inside of your heart where all the blood sits, that's a, that's the endocardium. So you can get some bleeding right there that you can see if you look at the inside of the heart. So I'm a little bit worried about that. Nice. The other thing I thought about with the fursuit is especially if he's killing the animals to make it himself. If he's killing rabbits to make part Ooh. of it, tularemia. Yep. If he's killing polar bears, I don't know what kind of infectious diseases they carry, but they probably got something. It's true. It's a concern. And then he's traveling around everywhere, spreading all of those germs. To the, the entire world. The fur is trapping all sorts of things yeah, All the children on his laps. Yes. It's and children true. are disease factories. And then, of course, you know, he is wearing this fursuit, but might not be enough. It's pretty cold, so he could have hypothermia. Mm-hmm. You know, like the other end of it. And with that one, you see um, what's called Wisniewski spots, which is dots essentially on the inside of your stomach. And um, hyperglycemia, you can also see in hypothermia. And then the other thing I'm worried of with Santa traveling around the world is he's, you know, down here on the surface of the Earth. We're pretty well protected from solar radiation, mm. but he's flying kind of high up there. So, you know... I'm worried that there's a chance that Santa might be exposed to some kind of solar radiation. So, you know, you can have some skin changes, so burns, rashes, um, these blood vessel-looking things called telangiectasias. And then you get some long-term cancer risks yeah. also with radiation. So, you know, more more cancer for Santa. Yeah, because they talk about how, what is it, like a, a chest x-ray is like one flight across the United States. Yep. And he's doing around the entire world. Sure, it's only one night a year, but if he's doing that the whole time. But he's also not protected by the metal from the plane, which is, you know, that does help you. So, yeah. Terrifying. There are risks. And the last big group I wanted to talk about were the infections that Nicole just just talked about a little bit. You know, before the big day, uh, Santa has to find out what all the children want. So he does go and he visits a lot of children and... As you said, children are virus factories. Mm-hmm. Santa's old. Santa's fat. So he was a little immunocompromised at baseline. Mm. So he can get any of those little viral infections. And, of course, COVID's now a thing. COVID, yeah. COVID could do it. And, you know, according to songs of old, Santa has been known to kiss mommies. Oh. So we don't know what mommy has, but mommy could have herpes. Mommy could give Santa herpes, and again, he's immunocompromised. Right. And while with most of us, we might just get a herpetic lip lesion. A.K.A. cold sore. A.K.A. cold sore. Santa could get herpes encephalitis, Mm. which is when your temporal lobe, one of the lobes of your brain, gets inflamed. So Santa could have that. I'd be a little worried. And we talked about Santa drinking a lot of milk, but what we haven't talked about is, you know, some kind of foodborne illness. Mm -hmm. How long has that milk been sitting out? Right. Is it, if it's not pasteurized milk, Mm -hmm. you know? So one of the main reasons that we tell pregnant women not to drink unpasteurized milk or eat unpasteurized cheese is because it can hold different bacteria like listeria. And that could give him systemic infections, give him sepsis, which is a blood infection, give him meningitis, which is an infection of the, one of the layers that coats the brain. And, you know, meningoencephalitis, which is where that infection goes from the surface of the brain into the brain itself. So I'm a little worried. And then the last one that I have is Santa's trusty steeds. Yes. You know, Dasher and Dancer and Blob. While they have served Santa very well over the past millennia, they can harbor some pretty concerning diseases. The first of which is actually tuberculosis. Mm. 
So tuberculosis. Bringing it back to pots. Bring it back to pots. Actually, I was glad you brought it up before because I was going to talk about it. See, pots disease. Um, so you can get these, what are called caseating granulomas. So you can get granulomas, which is a collection of this one particular type of cell called histiocytes. And then you get necrosis, which is just death of those cells in there. So it's one of those things in surgical pathology when you see a caseating granuloma. Assume tuberculosis until proven otherwise. Or other fungal infection. So, like, you have to stain for these different things and roll them out. So, you know, reindeer are actually not uncommonly harboring tuberculosis. Interesting. So that's possible. Huh. Um, and, it, and as Nicole said earlier, it can also go to your spine. It causes Pott's disease. It can, if it gets in your blood system, it can cause miliary tuberculosis, which is kind of the systemic spread of tuberculosis. So there's a lot of issues there. And I won't go into details on these, but, you know, reindeers also have tetanus, rabies, brucellosis. They've known to have Q fever, chlamydiosis, leptospirosis, campylobacterosis, salmonella, like, giardia. Reindeer, I mean, all animals, including, like, your household animals can all have this. But, you know, Santa raises these guys, and hopefully he keeps them pretty safe. But, you know, I'm... You know, one of the many things that we need to, you know, watch out for Santa. Yeah. I did try to look up and see if there were any documented reindeer attacks slash killings. Ooh, like we did that episode on. Right. The elk. And, and, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I didn't find mm. any. Whenever I, <laughs> when I typed in reindeer kill people, it just directed me to a lightning strike in Norway that killed <laughs> like 300 reindeer oh. in one go. Oh. Or like freak lightning storm <laughs> kills three hundred reindeer. I'm like, okay, lightning could kill Santa. He's <gasps> pretty high up there. That's true. That's another one. And he's got the ropes, which you know, Benjamin Franklin kite Ooh, situation. True. But that was higher, right? But yeah, no, Santa's pretty high up there. He could be the highest object. Yeah. And if he has to ride through a thunderstorm and a metal sleigh, the and sleigh a metal runners. sleigh. Yeah. He is not grounded. <gasps> Santa, the rubber boots don't count. <laughs> I don't think they're touching the ground. <laughs> I don't think you can just hold rubber and be fine. That's not how that works. Maybe he's got a really wait, long boot lace. Wait, no, no. I think it's as long as you, I think it's okay, right? Because if like you jump onto a power line and aren't touching the ground, you'll be fine. So maybe he will be fine because he's suspended in the air. He, it's not going to go through him to anything else. Mythbusters, Mythbusters. I know. I don't, I don't know enough myth. about it. But like, it was always a thing where like if you can jump on and hold. A power line without touching the ground, you won't get shocked. Huh. Because it's going to go, th- like, it won't go through you. That's an experiment. Um, but if not you, like, grab and then touch the ground, you're screwed. Yeah. 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 So it'll leave it on a good note. Um, you can't just leave Santa dead on the lawn. No. Um, there are some things in Santa's favor. He has been happily married, minus the mommies, for a long time. <laughs> and a long, happy marriage does correlate with a happier, with a longer life. And also, you know, Santa is very jolly, and long-term happiness actually correlates with long with lifetime too. So, you know, Santa has a pretty good track record. You know, one thousand seven hundred and fifty years and counting. Um, and hopefully, you know, we can help out Santa this year, and not you know only leave out pasteurized milk, mm-hmm. maybe a sugar-free cookie. Mm-hmm. Make sure your roof has some traction pads on it. Give your chimney a good cleaning. But maybe with a machine instead of with your scrotum. Yes. Don't, oh, my God. No. Why would you lie? <laughs> so hopefully you've learned about all of his potential clauses of death uh-huh. and what we might see at autopsies. 
we developed this differential death diagnosis. Uh-huh. You love it. And, yeah. So, hopefully Santa will be okay this year. You know. We'll keep out. Uh, keep a lookout for, for him on the Santa track. Or exactly. Or make sure that he's doing okay. Head out to NORAD. Yeah. Um, super shout out to Sawbones for the idea. Kind of morphing into this one. It's a fantastic podcast. I highly recommend it. Very good science. Sydney is a family medicine doc and has, in my opinion, very good practices, very pro-vax, all that other good stuff. And I know that Sawbones has a very good social media practice, and hopefully ours can someday lead up to their <laughs> social media. Oof, practice. lofty goals. Lofty okay. goals. That's, that yeah, so the they, have, they have many, many listeners. Mm. Slash they're slightly better about keeping up with it than we are. Yeah, yep, yep. I would say anybody who posts more than uh, once a month is. Uh, oh, I mean, we were doing so us. good at the beginning. We can, yeah. yeah, we can get back. There's always tomorrow. Uh, so yeah, please uh, remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast if you liked this and any of our other episodes. It's how other people hear about us, and we get boosted up on the various podcasting platforms. You can visit our website at deadmendotelpodcast.com, where we will link to all of our sources in our episode guide. On Twitter, we're at deadmendo. On Insta, we're at the Dead Tell Tales. And our Facebook page is Dead Men Do Tell Tales Podcast. And as always, send us an email through the website or directly to the deadtailtales at gmail.com with questions, comments, concerns, pictures of your cats and their festive holiday garb. Yeah, we should definitely post a... Yeah, we have uh, Santa George and Christmas Tree Cole. They did not appreciate it, but they were very cute. Yes, George froze. <laughs> he literally just didn't move. <laughs> It was amazing. And our opening theme music <laughs> is introducing the pre-roll by Lee Rosevear, who you can find on SoundCloud. So happy holidays, everyone. I hope you have a safe, healthy, and happy whatever you celebrate or don't celebrate. Yep. And uh... <laughs> watch your scrote. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not ending on that. <laughs> Keep an eye out for Santa this year, guys. <laughs> wow. That's what I'm going to get you. A little placard that says that that you can put up in your office someday. Yes, please. <laughs> Cross-stitched. <laughs> With Santa, like, crossbone and skull. Uh, I'm going to get you a meth mouth Santa. So. <laughs> With polar bear blood. With polar bear blood. <laughs> All right, happy holidays, everyone, and happy new year. (laughs) Bye. Bye.